hysterectomy, we cut down on the waste tremendously by quickly using it and turning it into a food product that's ready-made. So we're offering the convenience and we're also avoiding food waste. So exactly upcycling food. It really can't be understated the fact that as long as it is, is presented beautifully, people want it. Hi there, food enthusiasts. My name is Chris Franchkowski, your host today for the Future Foodcast, where we talk with thought leaders in today's food industry and discuss the trends and technologies that will shape the future of food. Very, very happy today to be speaking with Hika Morton, the Executive Director of Gathering Market. Welcome to the program today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, um, I had the great opportunity of speaking with you some time ago um, and also seeing some of the progress that uh, Gathering Market has made. But before we get into that and learning what Gathering Market is, maybe tell our audience a little bit about your background and what brought you up to the idea of creating Gathering Market and, and getting it started? Sure. So right out of high school, um, I had a major fascination with food and um, I went to BCIT to become a Red Seal chef. So I did that. I worked in the industry for a few years, then started a young family. We had a number of years where it was really tough to put food on the table. And I relied on um, some outside resources, um, food hampers and that sort of thing to get us through. Fast forward about 10 years from that time, and I was introduced to a nonprofit grocery store in Vancouver, and I was blown away. The concept was brilliant. They took food that would otherwise go to waste and they offered it at extremely low prices for families. And it made so much sense to me. And I thought that that is it. That's what I want to do. The only thing was that I didn't love the environment that it was offering. It wasn't very warm or welcoming or appealing. So that was something I wanted to focus on. And it was just a dream. And about five years ago, I started as a foods and nutrition teacher at a local high school. And um, I had students that were coming into my class every day saying things like, I'm starving. What are we making in foods class today? I didn't like that. I didn't like the idea that these kids thought that foods class, which was supposed to be a place to learn, was a place where they could just eat everything they made. <laughs> so very quickly on, I did a fundraising project. We bought a freezer, a glass door freezer. And all the food that the kids started making in foods class went into that freezer. And then we sold it back to our families um, at cost. We also kept some food aside. So when we started to hear things like there's a family that's struggling in our community, we had food, full meals and baking to, to offer them for free. I didn't expect to be working in a private school and have so many families that were in need that were coming out of the woodwork. When I first pitched the idea to my students, I had two boys stay at the end of the class and said to me, my mom could really use that. This is a, a, a private school where we thought <laughs> everyone's fine. They can afford to send their kids to private school, but there's a different face to poverty. And mm. um, I saw the need there. And then just over a year ago, my husband finally said, just go for it. <laughs> yeah. You know, the need is there go for it. So yeah, I started working on well, gathering market is an, an amazing background and uh, really great to see you bringing your passion, your experiences, good and challenging. You're what you've been learning as a health and nutrition teacher um, into a new business. So I think that's a great segue to tell us, tell us more about the market gathering market. Especially the name also, let's, let's, because <laughs> right. people can't, maybe they'll read the name um, in some of the print on the screen, but tell us about the meaning of name and how it's spelled. Yeah, absolutely. So gathering market is actually the end part is spelled M-A-R-K-I-T. And the reason for that is I really wanted to focus on ready-made meal kits. 
Our tagline for Gathering Market is dignity, choice, and convenience. And by offering ready-made meal kits, so everything is in that bag that you need to make a full meal, including the recipe, we're giving people an opportunity to choose their groceries and then also the convenience of not having to budget or to meal plan. Everything is right there for them. The other piece to Gathering Market, honestly, is the gathering piece. I wanted to create a place where people could come and gather, <laughs> find community. Oh, there's so many reasons behind that. A big one is that I wanted to give people the skills that they needed to make those meal kits, not just give them food and send them on their way. I have found that a lot of people don't actually know how to cook. If they were raised by parents who both worked, they never learned that basic life skill. So we want to create an environment where people feel comfortable to come learn, take a cooking class, buy a meal kit for five bucks and learn how to make it and be self-sufficient. Gathering hmm. Market provides people with ready-made meal kits and then also affordable groceries as well. If I were to sort of first see the business, I would think, okay, it's a, it's a, a new twist on a, a grocery store, but it, it's much more than that. It, it sounds like it's in addition to being a grocery store where people can come by, let's say good value products um, that, and maybe we can learn more about your sourcing on that later, but it's also a social experience. It's also maybe cooking classes. How does all this work out? And tell us about the start of your business. I, I know you just got started. And then how does all this work and combine together to create community? So I was fortunate enough through the high school to be connected to uh, Salvation Army here locally. They have a, a church. And when I connected with them and shared my passion and my dream of opening a market, they said, hey, we have a space for you. And across the hall from the space you can use for the market, we have an industrial kitchen. Not only that, we also have a space that you could use as a classroom because they used to actually host uh, chef training kitchens about 10 years ago, but it's been empty ever since. So they gave me that facility to use. So it allowed me to bring my students in to start with to help me create the meal kits. By having an industrial kitchen, it allows me to offer cooking classes. And then of course I have the market that's readily available to me. It, it kind of happened organically that all of these elements were there. And then I really wanted to focus on the gathering, the connecting, the community piece. And then they also said to me, we have this area right around the corner that opens up. It's called their fireside lounge. And they set up tables and chairs for us. We have coffee and tea on. So we can invite our customers to grab your groceries, maybe come with a girlfriend and then grab a seat, have a free cup of coffee, connect. Yeah, find some, some community there. And then what the church also wanted to partner with me on was a once a month community dinner. So being able to offer our customers a homemade cooked meal around the dinner table, bring your whole family, we'll feed everybody. But for me, the a really big element was being able to not only invite our customers to join us for a meal, but also to tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, you've been to a few of our community dinners. So next month, how about you and your family help me in the kitchen and cook a meal and serve those in our community? And that for me is the piece that closes the loop. That's what community is. When we give other people that feel like they don't have a lot to offer, we give them a chance to give back and to serve. Now they feel like they're part of a community. And that is such an important piece to me because so often we look at um, people that are struggling with, with food security and think they're those people, <laughs> can't quite get it together. And we have it together and we're being great by helping them and giving to them. It's the wrong way to look at it. We're all in this together. Everyone needs an opportunity to feel valued to feel like they have something to offer. Kitchen, the community dinners, give that a chance to happen. Give everyone a chance to give back and to enjoy a good home-cooked meal. Yeah, so you've, I think you've really created an entirely new sort of type of business here. 
I guess it's classified as a business, but really it's like a decentralized um, food social ecosystem you created. Yeah. And it sounds like a fairly large size building that brings everything together. How is that? Uh, it's early days on this. How is it coming together in these uh, first uh, few weeks of the business activities? In some ways, better than I imagined. <laughs> um, because we are in the Salvation Army facility, they do something every year close to Christmas, and it's called the Angel Tree Project. So families that need support getting gifts for their children for Christmas can sign up for the Angel Tree program, and they can come. Uh, two weeks ago, they were able to come. They tour through the gym, and they're allowed to choose toys for their children for free. The Salvation Army does a big fundraiser. All these toys are made available to parents. So when these parents came to pick out their toys for their children, I was able to have a table there set up and to give tours of the grocery store, let them know we're opening in two weeks, this is what we offer, and have them sign up for a shopping card. So I had 76 families <laughs> that I was able to personally connect with over two days to tour them personally through the space, tell them what we're going to offer. I kid you not, every single person said to me, oh, when are the cooking classes? Can I sign up right now? Can I bring my kids? Can I get my husband to come? <laughs> they were so eager to be a part of something. And then when I talked about community dinners, again, the same thing. When is that starting? When can we come? Can we bring our neighbors? People are craving that sort of community. We haven't had it for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And so that was amazing. And then when we had our opening day, the first day I probably had about 12 families through, which might not seem like a lot, but the beauty of that was because we had the lounge open, the fireside lounge, coffee and tea was on, some fresh baking was there. I just invited them. I said, hey, you know, when you're done shopping, come, come around to the lounge. And I was able to sit with every one of those families and connect with them in mm -hmm. the fireside lounge and have a coffee or a tea. And that, that is my heart. That's my passion is not just to offer people low, low cost groceries, but to, to build on relationship, to start to give them the skills to make a real impact mm -hmm. on their lives. It was amazing. Well, I, I would say that certainly your community has a, a lot of thanks to give to you in, in bringing this together. But I think later in this podcast, let's go into more about how this, how you see this growing up. I know there are some ambitions, some ambitions of uh, making this even more impactful across a broader area. But before that, let's look back upstream um, on what you're doing. And a key part of your business is essentially your supply chain, where you're sourcing products from. Tell us a bit about, about that, about what you're doing to get good value, good quality food products for people. So a lot of people actually haven't heard of um, organizations like Food Mesh or Second Harvest. Um, right before I jumped on our call, I quickly looked up Second Harvest because they just posted their numbers for rescued food. So Second Harvest is an organization that rescues food from going into the landfill, basically. So they'll have organizations that call them that say that we've produced too much yogurt, it's close to date, come, come pick it up. So they rescue the food and then they redistribute it to places like myself. So we're able to access food that for the most part is fine. Sometimes the boxes have been dented and places like Costco or Safeway say, no, we're not, we're not accepting it because the boxes are damaged, but the food inside is perfectly mm. good. This year, they've rescued 41 million pounds of food, 41 million. And that is just one organization in Canada. There are mm. dozens of companies that do this. Mm -hmm. So for us, we just had to sign up for these organizations, um, tell them the roughly the size that we are, how many families we're trying to, to accommodate through this food. Uh, because I'm partnered with Salvation Army, they also have an organization and um, I can access food there as well. They get three or four 
every single week, three or four deliveries of large semi trucks full of food that mm -hmm. would otherwise go to the landfills. So I'm able to go through that. They're kind enough to give me first pick when it arrives on the Tuesday so I can get the really higher end items that they don't need and offer that to my customers at, um, mm -hmm. we tell them between 50 and 80% below retail cost for our basic groceries. And then our meal kits, um, we sell them for $5 with everything in them. So wow. yeah, there's actually a lot available. It's mind boggling yeah. when you start to see it. And I think, you know, I'm sure most people don't realize these statistics that you're mentioning. And this is just in Canada, which yeah. by the way, Canada might have a lot of land area, but it's a relatively small population of 41 million pounds of food that was recovered. I mean, this is maybe falls in an area that is sometimes called upcycling. And sometimes, you know, we've talked on this podcast with companies where, you know, upcycling can mean, oh, let's take our spent grains from a production process and reuse them as food feed for animals, et cetera. But this is upcycling of basically, as you said, perfectly good quality products, but they have some aesthetic details that a large chain can't accept. And they would have gone into the landfill except for the services of organizations like you and Second Harvest and others. It's, it's pretty mind boggling. Um not only is food waste is huge, but what people don't really even stop to think about either is so much of the food then that's donated to places like the local food bank also comes from food rescue, but from people that want to donate. And they get such an influx of food, they have no time to think about what they're putting into bags for families and then handing them out. So if there are nine cases of bags of lentils, everybody is getting one or two bags of lentils in that bag of um, you know, mm -hmm. of food that they're getting home. The problem is not everyone knows what to do with. And if you add to that um, some fresh fruits and vegetables and a couple jars of sauce and two cans of tuna, well, what's a family going to do with that? So what mm -hmm. happens, the food waste happens on that end. It goes in the garbage because they mm. don't know what to do with it. Um, a colleague of mine just sent me, um, it was uh, an ad from Facebook marketplace of a man that said, I just received, he listed off all this food from the food bank. I don't know what to do with it. So if anyone wants it, claim it now, or I'm going to have to pitch it. And wow. that is the other piece of food waste. It's sort of like we collect all this food and just throw it out without thinking out of it, you know, just giving it out to people that we think need it and want it, but not actually thinking through the process. Mm -hmm. So unless we put it together in something like a meal kit or a ready-made meal, not everyone's going to know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting the, the way you describe this. And I think this is often the case with new technologies, new products, new business ideas, where when somebody hears it, they go, yeah, obviously, that makes sense to me. Um, but you're describing the situations where recovered food is wasted again because people don't know what to do with it. And the secret sauce you're adding is here's a bag that's ready to go with the recipe in it. Relatively easy to do once you've got the process down. But it, I think it sounds like you would have some of the same challenges if you say you had a nice social atmosphere and you know a beautiful place to shop for quality products but you weren't teaching people how to utilize what they're buying what do you think the difference makes for your business of actually providing that insight of here's a bag and here's a piece of paper with how you make something tasty out of it versus not adding that recipe and providing that training oh i think it's night and day <laughs> um on so many levels I'm just thinking of myself as a parent and I have the background of, of a chef and very often I've gone grocery shopping, fill my cupboards when I get home, kind of open the cupboards in the fridge after all that and think, oh, good grief. I, I don't really know what I have for dinner. <laughs> and it takes a lot of thought and planning and budgeting. So if you have very little money 
to make ends meet and you've got a bunch of kiddos with you that are clamoring for um, treats or whatever it is, it's very easy to come home with nothing to make a complete meal. So by mm. putting it all together and including the recipe, if nothing else, we've taken the budgeting out of it and we've taken, we've taken the planning and the hard work of sourcing a recipe that will actually fit the food that you have access to. Because that's mm -hmm. the other thing too, if you have very little to work with, it's way easier to just go to McDonald's really yeah. end of the day. Right. So, yeah. and you know, it's funny. I was just saying to someone, once we opened after our first two days were done and I was actually able to stop and think for a minute. And I realized this whole concept of a meal kit is really based on my own experience. And I was wrestling a little bit with, have I gone completely out on a limb here <laughs> with something that I think people want based on what I thought that I wanted. And it worked every single person that came through the door, about one, two or three meal kits and baking kits. They weren't just coming in for the cheap groceries. They were leaving with these meal kits. Mm -hmm. And that showed me that people want this. They need that. The, mm. the other thing I focus on is, um, is baking kits. So as a mom who didn't have any money to, <laughs> to rub together at all, buying a bag of flour for 10 bucks was out of the question. So again, I just assumed that other people would have the same experience that I did. So I put together baking kits. So for Christmas, we had, um, I had four different options for baking kits, but I sold out of our sugar cookie kits and they were so simple. It was the margarine measured out an egg, all the sugars measured out and then labeled in each bag, bag number one, two, and three. And the recipe was very simple. And I included a cookie cutter and everyone wanted one to bake with their kids. And, and that for me is the piece of, yeah, we can show them, you know, there's flour, there's sugar, there's an egg, go mm -hmm. make cookies with your kids. But if you don't have the money for all those pieces, or you don't have the time to be creative or feel like you have the time and someone takes all of that out for you and gives you the convenience of, Hey, here's basically fun in a bag with your kids. Mm -hmm. It worked. People bought them. Yeah. They wanted that experience. Well, that's, and literally it sounds like this is some of the secret sauce you've brought to the business. And um, it's just starting. And I think we're going to see more success on that with your organization going forward. And hopefully it's going to spawn a lot of other people to realize that you've really discovered something here and you know, add to the, the effort in this area. Uh, I want to think about also, you know, you've done an amazing job in taking this food that you're sourcing, essentially packaging it in a format that people will actually consume it and enjoy it, as we've just discussed. But how are you finding the products that you're, you're selling? Um, is it, I would say, almost ad hoc and you just, you know, the networks and you, you, you call them or they call you, or is there some more of a marketplace that is available for organizations like yours to actually go and, and get the, these products that are available before they get to a landfill? Mm -hmm. So um, all of the organizations that are food rescues, so I listed off two of them for you. So Food Mesh, um, as well as Second Harvest, they actually have apps you can just download. You can sign up as a donator or you can sign up as, as a nonprofit that would like to receive the food. Mm -hmm. And then you just get notifications in your area of, of what's available. Sometimes um, it comes in different ways. So sometimes it's actually just a restaurant that says every single week we have about 15 pounds of food available. And um, this restaurant's close to where you are. Do you want to sign up for regular pickups? There are grocery store chains that you can be connected to through an organization like Food Mesh and all of their food then. And this is six, seven days a week pickup that you are committing to or delivery that you're committing to of cases cases and pallets and pallets full of food from these grocery store chains. 
it seems like an exaggeration when I say you almost can't keep up with it. So I got a call last week from um, someone from Food Mesh who said, hey, would you be willing to do all of the stat holiday pickups from this particular grocery chain? Because the regular nonprofits can't also take on the stat holidays, but the food keeps coming. It doesn't stop in a, in a large grocery store chain and it has to go somewhere. It's, it's very easy to sign up and to receive food. The other piece, of course, is um, so I'm connected to a local high school, uh, a number of churches here in Abbotsford. We pretty much have a church on every street corner and they are very eager to, to do donations as well. So we accept donations of new products as well. So if you want to bring in bags of rice and pasta and that sort of thing. Uh, right now, I'm almost running out of storage <laughs> and we've barely been open, but there is such a desire for people to want to support us mm -hmm. as well, that the food just keeps coming in. Yeah, what you're describing really is, if you will, a shadow market for good quality food that would otherwise go into a landfill. And, you know, you're an expert in this for quite a long time through your involvement. How do you see this evolving over time? There, as you described, there are already companies out there that are organizing, if you will, outlets for this would have been wasted food to get to food stores like yours. How do you, do you see this continuing to grow up over the next several years? And, and if so, how? Oh, absolutely. I think the thing that I'm struggling with right now the most is that um, people are under the assumption that if they donate food to the food bank, that anyone who is in need of food can just go and get whatever they need. And that's not actually the case. Food banks were created as an emergency service back in the 80s. So I think we have like over 600 food banks and then all sorts of other locations to access free food. But what people don't understand is there's a very small window once a month where you are allowed to access food from the food bank. So if you are a senior, your hours are from 9.30 to 12 here locally. From Monday to Thursday, you can access food once a month from the food bank, and that's it. If you are a couple or a single, you have from Monday to Thursday between 1.30 and 3 p.m. to access food from the food bank once a month. So <laughs> the need for a nonprofit grocery store to tide people over from the, you know, they get about three days worth of food. Where are they supposed to go? Where are they supposed to source their food for the rest of the month that's actually affordable? They don't mm -hmm. have any other options. We are the only nonprofit grocery store in all of the Fraser Valley. The closest one is an hour away in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. There's nowhere for people to go. They have to shop where everyone else shops. I see the need for every single community to have a gathering market just to a, take that excess food, give it a little bit more dignity by offering it to people in a beautiful environment. It does not have to be gross and disgusting and dirty and look terrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we can make things look nice and appealing and put them together with a little bit of thought and care. I honestly think every community needs one. So I am already looking ahead to Langley. I had some people come and tour the market a couple of weeks ago and they were blown away by the thought of why isn't anyone else doing this? Mm -hmm. And um, they were also under the assumption that anyone who needs food can just walk into a food bank and get free food. And that's not the reality. People mm -hmm. cannot just do that. So we need to make this food that we have so readily available, offer it to people in a way that's yeah. dignified. And what you're describing, like I said, once something is described like this, the light bulb goes off and it automatically makes sense, even though it didn't exist up until that moment, except for the bright minds like yourself that create it. Um, but it, it sounds like also what you're doing is essentially tapping into this decentralized ecosystem of food sources and bringing it, bringing value to it. So I, I also, you know, kind of just thinking out loud as we're talking along here, I, I wonder if the business that you're growing 
is not necessarily a not-for-profit in the traditional sense. And like you said, sometimes there's stigma that goes along with that, but it's essentially, it's like the upcycled food store. Mm-hmm. Um, and that upcycled food store may be for certain people that have certain needs, but you may find yourself in a situation where you've got too much. It sounds like you're, you're, like you said, your shelves are already full and you've been open less than a month. And there could be an outlet for that um, I think about the clothing sector, for example, there's a lot of people now that they want to buy their clothing places where it's recycled, not because they can't afford to go buy a new pair of jeans or something, but because they're making a decision based on sustainability or reducing waste, etc. And I feel like that same ethos, that same spirit and buying decision is transferring now over to the food space that you're making available. Does that kind of make sense on how you might see things growing up for your company? Oh, absolutely. Because we have access to that industrial kitchen right now as well, being able to take cases and cases of tomatoes that are super ripe and need to be used now and turn that into tomato sauce and then freeze Mm -hmm. that and sell that back to our customers. That's brilliant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. makes so much sense to me. We cut down on the waste tremendously by quickly using it and turning it into a food product that's ready-made. So we're offering the convenience and we're also avoiding food waste. So exactly upcycling food. You know, it, it really can't be understated. The fact that as long as it is, is presented beautifully, people want it. They really mm-hmm. do. <laughs> a lot of it's mm-hmm. about the marketing, making it look nice. I had a lady walk into my grocery store when I was giving the tours and uh, she looked around the space and with a very, very um, straight face, she looked at me and she said, oh, so all, is this, all of this is um, locally sourced? And I had to laugh and I thought, yeah, actually, you know what? It is, it's all locally sourced, but the, the space has the feel that you are in a, a little bit of a higher end market. And mm-hmm. um, that for me was, was the key is that we can make things look beautiful, even though they're upcycled. And yeah, I love that concept of reusing something, making it great. Yeah, you know, I, I really feel like you've, um, I was going to say stumbled onto a business area, but it's far from stumbling. You have actually a very clear progression to what you've created and it's very, very purposeful and well thought out. And, and it's funny, at the same time you were talked about the locally sourced, I was thinking the same because I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs for this podcast that they tell me their customers, they're very interested, you know, is this potato produced locally? Is it, they want to buy locally produced food and you're doing exactly that. Even though, you know, maybe some of these bananas come from Central America, they're, they are locally sourced because they were going in the landfill exactly. unless you create this space to upcycle it and sell it as a valuable product. So it's it's the back end, if you will, of locally sourcing. Exactly. Amazing. Like that. As you look forward, your target, I think, initially was to help those people that have some needs in this area. And they're, you know, they're they're not going to be shopping at Whole Foods necessarily, as we say. Yeah. But as we're also talking here, I would see some opportunity for expansion, especially if you're over, you have, you're reaching over capacity in your food storage capability. How would you go about saying, well, now what do I do? I've, you know, potentially I'm satisfying as much as I can of the community that's in need. Where do you go next for using this food before you have to put it in a landfill? Well, I don't think I've quite tapped out on reaching everyone that needs that yet, but sure. um I think the potential there to take the food that we are able to make. So with the excess tomatoes or the extra vegetables to make certain soups. And what if we're actually able to, to label those as gathering market 
and sell mm. those at a regular retail grocery store with all of the proceeds going to support what the gathering market does. Mm -hmm. We've opened up um, an opportunity for people to support us in a way they've never thought of and to be able to use those products again that would otherwise be food waste. So we're kind of like bringing the thrift store into the retail store and allowing mm -hmm. people to support us that way. And I think then we'll never, we'll never be able to use up everything. It'll just be this continuous cycle. And uh, mm -hmm. oh, I would love that. Yeah, getting to zero waste is, is probably a very, very difficult thing to do if you have a robust supply chain. There's, you can get it down very low, but there may always be some. But at the end of the day, there's even composting. <laughs> so yeah. um, even if yeah. you have to, that is a final use outlet for organic food. But it strikes me also, we see stories of, for example, restaurants that are looking to expand their, their asset utilization, if you will. You know, maybe they're only selling in the afternoon and the evening. In the morning, um, there are companies that are actually paying them to produce in the morning so that they can deliver sort of catered meals. And I could see your organization partnering up with these situations that really tremendously using assets in a healthy way and also the raw materials that you have access to. But all this you know, is um, made available through this, I guess, still to be developed, decentralized network of um, people that are involved, but um, that doesn't seem to exist yet. It's only, it's your knowledge. It's all in your head and a few other entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I think the places that I can tap into as well for volunteer would be through the, through the local high schools using, hmm. using sounds like the wrong word, but <laughs> providing opportunities for high school students um, to, to learn skills while they're making food that will mm -hmm. give back to their community. That also helps to close the loop. Uh, our teenagers need 60 hours of volunteer time before they're allowed to graduate. That's just part of one of the requirements of our, our BC curriculum. So offering them a place to do that, where they are actually creating meals or meal kits or anything like that, that's um, helping them to have an impact on their community and maybe making them aware of the needs within their own community. So that really mm -hmm. excites me as well, that uh, mm -hmm. we can get teenagers involved right from the get-go of how to have a positive yeah. impact on your community. And in that sense, I think you're inevitably going to be sort of pointing the way for some of those teenagers to find their passion as well, whether it's in learning about business, learning about cooking, learning about food production. Certainly not all of them will have that passion, but you're essentially opening that door in, in that way as well. It's a full spectrum. It seems like it's never ending of uh, all the values that you're able to bring to the community. It definitely keeps my head spinning of the possibilities. <laughs> they are never ending. So it sounds like you, although the gathering market is just getting off the ground, um, just this month, in fact, um, you certainly have some ambitions and perceive the need well beyond your community. Um, what do you see for gathering markets, say, five years from now in your crystal ball? I would love to be in four more communities. I, I, and I don't think that that's that's a stretch. We know that we have excess food in every single community. We know that we have people that need it. And uh, just to be the conduit, it doesn't, they don't have to be large markets. In fact, what keeps them, I think, allows us to stay very um, small is because we're focusing on the community piece as well. So we don't have to be a massive retail space. We can be a smaller market and just have more of them. Um, I would love to have one on the other end of town here. We have um, a lot of people that couldn't make their way to our end of town. So why not have two in a community? So mm -hmm. my goal is in the next five years to at least have 
four more gathering markets that are doing exactly that for gathering people. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, in times past, this might you might think of this as almost a franchise model where mm -hmm. you're bringing a capability set together. Um, but in as a, especially, I think our younger generations look at the world in decentralization. It, it's you're essentially bringing this knowledge base and allowing you know other communities to grow it up under you know potentially the brand of gathering market how would you see that growing up in terms of from a business perspective um as a decentralized system as a normal corporate organization a bit off topic here maybe of the, what we've been talking yeah. about but it is an important idea on how you grow this activity that is a great question and if i'm being really honest I haven't thought that far <laughs> yeah you know maybe it's just me but i really think it's important that they not be seen as business opportunities. I think that anyone who is going to be a part of, of starting one of the gathering markets and working with me is this has to be your heart and soul and your passion. And um, once you're exposed to some of the people that are using this resource and you start to see them as human beings who need dignity and they need to be offered choice and convenience as well, that they just organically pop up. It was mm -hmm. one lady that I had come in on the Friday to experience the market. And she came back again on the Saturday and brought her sister-in-law and some grandkids. And she toured them around the grocery market, excitedly telling them how things work and that there are cooking classes coming and that there are community meals coming. And I just stood back and watched that happen. And I realized that, that it's the community piece. So as much as it seems like there'd be a great business model there, kind of in the background of, of mm -hmm. what should be happening. These things should organically grow as a group of people who want to take a resource that's going to waste and provide it mm -hmm. to, to others. Yeah. And, and I guess part of my thinking, certainly similar to yours in this and where, you know, we're not thinking about creating the next Walmart out there. That's not what is happening here, but it's more of a co-op mentality. That's, that's a great how do we bring it. value that everybody um, enjoys together? Um, and you've got my mind thinking about taking this excess product and perhaps, you know, labeling it as gathering market and selling it in retail stores under the local section, you know, stores all have mm -hmm. that these days too. They want to highlight the local. We'd be able to do that as well. And I think that that again, closes a loop on community that we're all working at this together. We're all trying to work towards the same goal of way less food waste and meeting mm -hmm. the needs of our community way more than just <laughs> the food so much more yeah. than that the education piece yeah. the inclusion piece the acceptance piece the community the gathering all of those things well it's really an amazing effort that you're bringing on a completely holistic scale to starting with food and bringing food to those in need to really making it an entire social situation that is actually contributing to the health of the environment as well through upcycling products that might have gone into a landfill really excited to see how this is going into next year. It'd be great to bring you back in three or four months and see how the process is developing and learning more about your insights. Oh, I would love that. I look forward to it. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you having here uh, on the show today. Let's, we'll make sure that everybody's got uh, visibility and finding out more about Gathering Market and, and learning what you're doing there. And although you're in southwestern British Columbia, the southwestern corner of Canada, um, hopefully, like you said, we see uh, gathering market growing, you know, in four or five other locations in the upcoming years. Would love that. Thanks so much for having me today. Really appreciate it. All right.
Thank you. Have a good afternoon. Yeah, you as well. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 